Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Content and Conversation. Today I'm joined by Elsie. I've known you for five years now and I've never said your last name, Wisecoff? Yes, that's correct. Thanks for having me here. Awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Today we're going to be talking through our brainstorming process and how all of you out there can become better brainstormers. So Elsie, you have a kind of unique role here at Siege. Can you tell me a little bit about how you came to this role and what it is specifically? Yeah, definitely. I'm a creative content lead here at Siege, and I've kind of been in multiple roles in the content department. So I started as an intern and then was a junior and then a regular CMS and then a senior. And now I'm in this role. And this role is unique because... I forgot you started as an intern. uh, Yeah, it's been a long ride. But this role is a combo of content creation as well as a focus on brainstorming. So I'm working with the team to come up with more creative and unique ideas in brainstorming. I think that's such a cool role for you just because I I love the brainstorming process here. And so for you to be able to like kind of take that on and improve our level of brainstorming, it's I think, do you like, do you enjoy that part the most of content? Yeah, I was just surprised to hear you say that you like brainstorming because a lot of people don't like it. And so I'm trying to make it a little bit more fun and a little bit easier by building out the process and like giving everyone more resources so that they can come up with more creative ideas. Awesome. Well, in preparation for this interview, I went and looked up the definition of brainstorming and I thought it would be kind of fun to like parse our conversation into its components because the definition if you didn't know, was group discussion to produce ideas or solve problems. And so I think let's talk first about the group discussion component of that. At Siege, can you kind of walk me through the brainstorming process and how we, you know, individually brainstorm and then meet as a group? Yeah, definitely. So the group dynamic is so important, but we found that if you just get a group of people together, we can kind of shout out different ideas, but it's not very productive in the end, then we have some like vague ideas that we're not really sure what to do with. So our process, we usually individually brainstorm first, where we come up with ideas. If it's search driven, we tie search to it and a keyword and look at the keyword difficulty, that kind of thing. And then if it's a promotable idea, we have social proof that we're looking at So we come up with these ideas on our own, and then we bring them to a meeting where we put our ideas in a spreadsheet, and then everyone votes on the ideas they think they like the best, and we talk through them and add anything that anyone has to say to the idea and kind of make it complete it, make it better. Yeah, I feel like no idea withstands like its original form. We always kind of talk it through a little bit more and it goes somewhere completely different. Would you say that's the case in your experience? Yeah, the group dynamic is so important. You would think that because we're bringing ideas that are already pretty built out to this discussion that there wouldn't be much to talk about, but everyone has such a unique point of view that they add to the idea or we come up with ways to make it more shareable or we discuss the outreach market and how we can kind of pivot an idea to a different outreach market. So definitely agree that no idea is the same after coming out of a brainstorm meeting. Right. 
Would you say that anything about our process has changed since you first joined or like how have we gotten better? Yeah, we've tried a lot of different ways of brainstorming. We used to use a different app where it was more of a sticky note situation where you write down your oh, ideas remember that. in a sticky note. Yeah, I think it was called Candor maybe. And right. so yeah. we used that for a little while. We've tried the like whiteboard brainstorm where we go into a meeting room before COVID, obviously, and just write down ideas like an idea dump. So we've tried a lot of different ways. And this seems to be the most productive and get us to the best ideas. But we're always looking for new ways to brainstorm or improve our brainstorming process. Right. So that kind of moves us into the second part of the definition, which is to produce ideas and to kind of draft off of that discussion on Candor. Can you give me three tools that you use during your brainstorming and Let's just assume that everyone uses some sort of Ahrefs tool. Yeah, definitely. My first one is going to be similar to that brain dump idea. I always suggest that everyone should have a Google Doc of running ideas that they see or find while they're on the internet. A lot of our the position of content marketing specialists, our content marketing specialists also do outreach. So they're sifting through so many websites and seeing so many ideas on their day to day. So I always suggest that everyone add ideas or inspiration to a Google Doc that they can refer to and like start out their brainstorm process with. You said Ahrefs, and I agree that everyone kind of uses it. I don't know if everyone knows about the Ahrefs content gap, but that's a big one that I would suggest using just because if you're brainstorming search-driven ideas, it will filter out ideas that your client or you already have done and then just tell you what your competitors are ranking for that you might not be ranking for. So that's very helpful. And then my third one is Reddit. I've been using Reddit a lot. And it's just good for understanding the audience and just finding unique ideas that you wouldn't think were issues. Like everyone speaks their mind on Reddit. So they they have a lot to say. And so you can go look through the different industries and see what people are talking about and what issues they have and then find ways that we can solve it with our content. Would you say those are three tools that you also use or do you have any additional ones to add? Yeah. And I would say like to add Reddit is not only a great source of ideas, but it's a source of social proof. So to kind of see what's working and, and I'd like to take something like from Reddit and then tweak it a little bit. So I follow this newsletter I'm not going to remember the name and I'm sorry for whoever produces it, but they just send out like really curated lists of cool data studies around the web. And I like to look at those and try to like connect dots in a different way. You know, you see a lot of video games topics around the US and like looking at Google Trends data or something like how can I connect this to another like more relevant topic for my client? And that comes, I feel like a lot of survey topics come out of that as well. When I'm looking at people griping on Reddit about push notifications or like text messages from companies, I immediately just think about an idea for a survey on why people hate push notifications or love them. So I think stuff like that's pretty interesting. Yeah, definitely. And along with the data study ideas, I also look at the pudding. I don't know if you've looked at their data studies, but they just have interesting ways of showing data and then you can kind of pivot that to your industry and think about how you can use that format in other ways. 
exactly. Yeah, I love the pudding. I love pudding in general. I mean, who doesn't? Okay, so I want to now segue into conversation, like breaking up B2B and B2C ideas. Do you have any advice? I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong here, your career at Siege has been more focused on B2C. Is that right to say? That's correct. Yeah. I think B2C comes naturally to a lot of our team members, especially to me, just because we're naturally already consumers. So we can get in the head of a consumer for whatever product it is and have a better understanding of what they might want. B2B is a little bit more broad and you really have to understand the business in order to brainstorm. So I typically am more comfortable with B2C, but also brainstorm a lot for B2B. And every time it's a bit of a challenge, but a good one. Yeah, it's hard to like connect the idea to the business in a lot of those B2B scenarios. Like a lot of companies don't want to stray too far from their core competency of what they do. And so looking for keywords, especially in niche industries, do you have any ideas or tips for brainstorming in a niche industry? For niche clients, we like to think about ideas that we can make broader so that they are more shareable. So we'll think of a topic that we can create a guide on or something that might be niche and then we'll kind of try to broaden it so that the outreach market is a little bit broader. Well said, by the way. I think one thing to look for is that difference between a promotable and an SEO topic. So for example, like in a lot of BDB clients, I just look at their domain rating and then compare the rankings on page one. Like, are we going to be able to rank in that group without a ton of links? Like, do a lot of the posts on page one already have a ton of links. Do you use anything else like like that to determine whether or not there's the ability to target a topic without building links to it? Yeah, I like to think of it. I created this little like square graph thing that maybe we can link in the show notes. But basically, it's you're thinking about the domain rating, your domain rating and the keyword difficulty. So if you have a low domain rating, and the keyword difficulty is even low to high, you're probably going to need links to be able to build your authority and get on page one. If you have a higher one than the lower keyword authority topics, you can probably target with an SEO post and you don't need to link build. And then from there, it's like the high difficulty. You obviously need to build a promotable in order to rank on page one. I'll definitely send you the graph and it'll be a lot easier to understand. Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) I know like all those keyword difficulties (laughs) thrown around. Have you seen certain types of content do well in the B2B markets? Yeah, I think like we had just talked about with SEO topics, a lot of those definitional terms in your industry seem to do well. If you can rank for them, they kind of drive passive links over time. And it depends on the market. Obviously, if there's a lot of terminology jargon and whatnot. But the biggest thing that I've found to work really well is relying on proprietary data if available from the company. And even if it's like digging into the Google Analytics and seeing what are the most trafficked pages, and you can kind of look at that and say like, can you make an assumption from that? Oh, this product is driving like the most attention. Why? Why is that the case? And it really becomes more fun like in those I mean, that's B2B, but I I remember B2C for a client in the bidet space. 
and just like using a survey that was like the most fun piece to write because it was like, do you use the bathroom on a first date? It was awesome. But and we'll link to that in the show notes, too. I think that'll be a good addition. Yeah, that will. I think that like maybe how to's can do pretty well, depending on if they have a good outreach market. And also data is so important. And I think if you don't have proprietary data, then you can also obviously hire a content marketing agency and they can create different surveys for you. And that data is so important because no one else has it. So it's a unique offering. And when we're doing outreach, it does really well. Anytime we have any interesting data, like if you go to the bathroom on a first date. Boom. Do you have any tips? So like solving problems is the final component of the brainstorming definition. And I wanted to see if you have any, then this is like kind of how do you brainstorm for a mature content strategy, a site that has a huge backlog of content? Yeah, we come across this a lot, which is usually clients are in two different categories. They have a lot of content and not a lot of thought behind it or not a lot of search volume and they aren't really promoting it. So there's just a lot of like content that's not really doing anything on their site. Or there's clients that have a lot of content that is targeted and has search volume behind it. So in the first case, we would definitely consider revamping the content, doing a content audit, seeing what posts actually are getting any traffic and the ones that aren't either taking down or revamping. For the other category of clients that do have content that's good on their site, we can kind of get a little more creative with what we're doing because they already have covered the basics and we're able to push the limits a little bit and just try to find different content formats, whether that be animation or video or photography, anything to elevate their content a little bit and make it more unique compared to their competitors. What criteria do you use when you're looking at revamps? Like I've heard, or personally, like we look at the keywords that are ranking on page two or below, like number 10 or below. Is that kind of the criteria you look for? Is there another case where you would look to revamp something that is ranking on page one? Yeah, I usually look at six or seven to 20 in rankings because the six or seven, sometimes there are small things that we can change or maybe the SERP has changed over time and the post was posted like three years ago and we can update it and whatever else it needs onto it and quickly get it up in rankings and get more traffic right away. And then obviously the posts on page two need something added to them. We are strategic about not just looking at those keywords, but then looking at the SERP to see if there is potential to even rank because sometimes it's kind of like there's a little bit hopeless and it's not worth putting the effort into because it's just all big names like New York Times ranking on page one. So we're strategic about that when we're looking at the revamp opportunities. So recently, or not too recently, but we've come to the conclusion that passive link opportunities are the, like Google wants to reward those over time because they're just naturally acquiring links. How do you think about that kind of shift in strategy and how do you look for passive link ideas? Yeah, passive link 
opportunities are good for everyone. They're good for the team that's creating the post because it can be seen a lot. They're good for our outreach team because we can naturally get some links over time to kind of save us at the end of the month if we are lower on links or to just improve upon the numbers we already have. And so we definitely love passive link opportunities. A few ways to look for them. I would say that usually if you have, you can kind of go either way. So you can start with a promotable idea and then search the idea and put the top posts into Ahrefs and see if there's any keywords that we can target along with it without ruining like the integrity of it being a promotable post. So that's one way to find it where we already have that promotable idea and we can just tie a keyword to it and kind of gear the post around the keyword. And it's kind of the best of both worlds. And then the other way of doing it is to start with that keyword and then try to think if there's any, if there's an outreach market for the topic or if there is any promotable asset that we can add to it that would kind of elevate it a little bit and make it able to be promoted and get links. Do you have any suggestions for how you usually look for passive link opportunities? I definitely look at competitors and, you know, I work in more of the B2B space, so this might not apply to everyone, but what is acquiring like Best Buy links, Best Buy link growth for competitors? Like what is acquiring the link? So if it's something to do with a data study, but that is tied to a keyword, like, okay, I know I need to go after that topic. If it's definition pages and we're being outranked by like two positions, I'm like, okay, what can we do to really build this page out? add value and boost our rankings above them to acquire those same links. And then just really looking at topics and the top ranking post, kind of like how we do in our KOB, keyword opposition to benefit analysis. And like looking at that first page that's ranking for the keyword, like how is that? Is it acquiring links over time? Looking at the domain like link velocity, I guess. You mentioned the KOB analysis. Do you want to speak a little more on that and how we use it? Yeah, so I'm not really too sure about the history of the KOB, but it was introduced to me by Ross Hudgens, our CEO, and it's keyword opposition to benefit analysis. And essentially what you do is, what I do is I use a content gap analysis to grab what the competitors are ranking for, what's working for them, and then that we are, our client is not, look at the top ranking post for that keyword and see what the traffic value of that post is divided by the keyword difficulty. And that gives you the score. And then you can filter your keyword research by that number and have your lowest hanging fruit ideas. And so that's something that we've been trying to establish in month one for clients moving forward to like have a project plan, have those ideas kind of in line with the content calendar. Elsie, how do you feel about that? Because I feel like that does kind of take away from the brainstorming process like on a regular cadence. What do you think? Yeah, I really like the KOB score, which is good because we're doing a lot of them. And I think it's really good, especially in month one, because it just establishes what we should be prioritizing. It's especially important. Most of these keywords are obviously tied to search volume. So most of them will be more SEO posts rather than promotables. But the only caveat is that when you're sourcing all these keywords, 
and then organizing them, we want to make sure that they are actually keywords that we can rank for and that we have an opportunity to rank for sometimes and and that the SERP makes sense for us. Sometimes when you're just looking at a list of keywords, it's not as clear whether it's like what the search intent is. So just making sure that we're double checking and making sure that the SERP is something that we can go after with a piece of content. Totally agree with that. I've come across some interesting keywords that I was like, why was this even in here? (laughs) But kind of to close it, wrap this up, I wanted to get your thoughts on the future of brainstorming. Is there going to be something that we can use to like get ideas that we're currently not? I feel like I recently had a call with a potential client who was talking about a TikTok trend that legitimately like they were sold out of feta cheese and something. Do you know what I'm talking about? Because I don't use TikTok. I think it's, well, I don't use TikTok, but you said feta and everyone has been obsessed with the feta pasta trend where you just like stick a piece of feta and tomatoes in a pan and then make pasta, which I am 100% in support of. But (laughs) yes, great content. But in terms of other places to find inspiration, I think you can really find inspiration anywhere. I've been like, watching a TV show like Great British Bake Off and been like, oh, this would be a good content idea because they're handling criticism really well and then pitched it to a client and they loved it. So I think you can really wow, find awesome. content anywhere. Yeah, that was very a very unique case. But I think that there's inspiration everywhere you look. In terms of TikTok, I would say that just to be wary because these trends are just very quick. And so by the time that we are actually creating a piece of content, it might not be as relevant. I think sales have done really well on TikTok. So I've heard, I've seen like different reports talking about how products are sold really fast on TikTok. But in terms of content, I do think that we need to be thinking about in four months or (laughs) gosh, in four weeks will this still be around and relevant? I agree with that. Like, look for brainstorm ideas in your everyday life. I always have these weird questions. And I'm like, you know, that could be a good survey topic, because you just come up across these questions that you want answered in your life. So why not answer them for everyone else? Yeah. All right, Elsie. Well, thank you for having me in your kitchen for coffee. I can confirm that you have a lot of weird questions. (laughs) That That is true. We'll just end on that note. Oh, wait, we need to do something. We need to really blow out this ending. So. Yeah. Elsie, thank you for coming on the show. It's been great to see you. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. It has been an honor and we'll have to do this again sometime soon. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this content and conversation, pun intended, please leave us a review, like, subscribe, and do everything you possibly can to help me boost my ego. Thank you.